0: I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to welcome you to Ocean View. And uh, for all of our visitors today, whether you're a guest of a family member in town for just the weekend or the week, or maybe you just um, today, you just felt a desire and a need in heart to say, you know what, I need to go to church. It's Easter Sunday. I need to go to church. Um, I'm excited that you're here um, because you'll find a safe place. You know, there's there's a lot of churches and a lot of different areas where sometimes we have fears about going into a place where maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to face judgment. Maybe I'm going to face guilt. Um, And I would tell you that the church is the people. It's not a building. um, And the empty tune is available for every single person in this room, no matter how far you've fallen or how many mistakes you've made. And today I'm excited because we're going to talk specifically about that. We're going to answer a a specific question because, you know, I think there's a lot of people in society today that when they look at this day, um, they're skeptics. When they look at this day, they say, well, maybe it happened. Maybe it happened like they say it did. But, you know, how can we be sure? And maybe this event, maybe it's a story that was made up um, and maybe it's not true. Well, if if you've thought things like that and you're in this place, I'm excited you're here because we're going to answer a lot of specific questions about what today represents Um, in order to kick us off you know i think we all have questions and and one question that i have that that i faced this week and and it's going to sound a little weird is when is it appropriate to jump ahead of someone in line for something okay i want you to think about this when is it ever uh, you know appropriate For you to recognize someone in front and and say, you know what, it's perfectly acceptable for me to go and skip in front of them and to be able to get the service that I need. Well, it happened this week. I had an appointment at 2 o'clock in the afternoon this past week at a Starbucks. And I was meeting a gentleman, and we were going to talk about the faith, and he had some questions for me. And so when I say on time, how many of you, on time means about 10 minutes before the actual time you're supposed to be there? Okay, you type A's, I'm starting to pray for you right now because I know your pain. And so I'm coming from my last appointment, I'm driving my car and I look down at my watch and I notice, oh, I'm running a little bit late. I'm I'm just barely going to make it. And so I park the car, I jog up to the door, I grab the door and I look at my watch as I do and it was two o'clock on the dot, which meant I'm late. And so as I'm opening the door, I'm thinking, well, I just need to go and sit down. I can't get anything to drink because I don't want to waste this gentleman's time. It's that important. And, I, and right away, I see the gentleman in there, and I, I say hello. And he says, hey, he said, there's no line. Why don't you go ahead and get yourself something to drink? And I'm like, there's no line in Starbucks. Jesus is alive. Amen. So I say, all right, all right, all right, all right I'll be right back, all right back. So true story, I walk. I walk up. And I'm walking. And then as I'm walking, I'm getting a little wiser in years. And so I thought, well, it's two o'clock. If I have a cup of coffee, I'm going to be up all night. You know, I I can't. If you're under the age of 30, you're like, well, what's the big deal? But, you know, when you get older, you understand. I'm like, no, I I need to get some sleep. So I go in. And you know, at Starbucks, they have the refrigerated case next to the cash register. So as I'm walking up, the gentleman goes, hey, how can I serve you today? And I said, well, just one second, I think I'm just going to get a water. I have one foot in line because it's really important to save your place in line. So I had, I'm calling it out. I had a foot in line. I take the other foot and I lean like this and and I'm looking for the water that I want. It's a specific kind and five seconds and I grab it and I go and all of a sudden this demon flies behind me. Okay, she wasn't a demon. She was a nice person. God blessed her. I can't believe she did that to me, but she was standing there and she cuts the line. And so I did what pastors should do. I kept my foot right where it was as if to say, I'm right here. And she just ignored me. She's kind of here. She goes, yes, I like, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, Okay. All right, Terry, take a break. All right. Oh, gosh. You yeah. know, well, maybe she knows her order. You know, if you go to Starbucks, you get publicly shamed if you don't know your order before you get to the register. So she gets up there and she says, "Um, yes. She goes, do you have this specific coffee? And the gentleman goes, oh, no, we don't have that on, on there, but I could do a pour over for you. And if you've ever been there, a pour over means you will lose five minutes of your life waiting for it. Somebody like, goes, no. And so I'm looking at the gentleman. He says, it's not a problem. I can do a pour over for you. be great. So then he starts, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, all right. You know, I look back at the gentleman. I'm like, I'm sorry. He's like, no problem, no problem. And I'm standing there, standing with my water, and I'm looking. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, after, you know, just kind of watching this unveil, I'm thinking, well, he's, he's all of a sudden, he's there. Maybe he'll hurry. And he starts asking her her life story. He becomes Chatty Cathy. Now I'm really, really getting frustrated. I mean, this guy needs to recognize my needs. So I'm there and all of a sudden I say, well, maybe there's another barista. And so out of the door from the storage room comes a gentleman and he's carrying a case of cups. And he's walking and he's right in front of me. And so I, I do what we all do. I try to get his attention. Like, you know, I'm right here. One bottle of water. That's it. Just ring me up right here. And he looks at me and I'm thinking, yes. He's going to, you know, customer service, it's the way it's supposed to be. He's going to take care of my needs. He looks at me and he does what we do and we pull into the neighbor and we don't want to talk to the neighbor. It's kind of like we're like, huh, and then we just keep walking. He just kept walking past me. So finally, the barista finishes with the person. He looks at me and he says, you know, he says, I'm really, really sorry, sir. How can I help you? And I said, not a problem. I've already, you know, it's not a problem at all. And I was sinning because, you know, after kind of just praying evil thoughts toward this gentleman, um, he finally served me. But I remember thinking I was so frustrated. I had to ask for forgiveness. I was so frustrated the whole time. It took took me about 10 minutes to calm down and everything else because I was so flustered as a type A personality. And I'm just sitting there, you know, when is it appropriate for someone to, to skip the line for me? I think in Christianity we have a lot of those same thoughts when it comes to Jesus. I think we have a lot of questions for him. And today, especially on Easter Sunday, we have questions. And so for you Tai bays, I want you to lean in a little bit. Because I'm going to take you on a little journey. And we're going to start from the beginning. Because Easter truly isn't just about today. Easter actually began a long time ago. And, And I think if you lean in today, and if you really, really understand the puzzle pieces and how they all connect and where they relate to us today... I think you'll leave this place not only understanding when Easter occurred, what Easter is, but why it's so significant in your life, whether you believe in Jesus or not, why it's so significant for you today. So let me tell you a little bit of story, and we're going to jump to a passage of Scripture. I'm going to have all the Scriptures here on the screen. You can see the references. But a long time ago, much like you and I in this place, there were a people, God's people, that had lost all hope And there are some of you in this room today or watching online where you feel that same way. You've dressed really beautifully today, but inside you're hurting. And God's people were in bondage. They were slaves to Egypt. And we know the story, if you've grown up at any kind of church, you know the story of Pharaoh and how Pharaoh kept them in slavery and bondage. And here's what bondage means, and I want to draw you in. Bondage means there is not a hope for your future. You are a slave and you will always be a slave. That there is no joy because when you think of your future or the next day, it looks the same. There's no hope. There's no joy. It's only pain and suffering. And that's what God's people felt every single day until God showed up. And God leaned in. If you were here Friday with us as we were worshiping together, I shared with you that God leaned in and said, Look, I will be your God and I will claim you as my people if you will be my people and so god leaned in to these israelites and he said look i will claim you as my people and i'm going to deliver you from bondage so as we begin this easter story let me tell you a little bit about what happens god through moses says to them here's what you need to do to prepare to be free if you are in bondage and you want to be free you need to do this first and foremost you're to take a lamb a perfect lamb an unblemished lamb And you are to kill it and prepare it for a meal because you're going to have a meal celebrating what I'm going to do for you tonight. But here's what I want you to do, which is kind of weird to us today. But I want you to take the blood of this perfect lamb as a sacrifice. And I want you to paint it over the door frames of your home because tonight I'm going to free you. And the way I'm going to free you is I need to know that you're mine. I need to know that you believe and trust in me. And so as I pass over Egypt... When I see the blood over your door, it's a symbol that you are my people, and I promise to be your God, and in fact, you are going to be free. Now, if you're a Bible study student in here, you've read that, you know this, but I'm going to point you to one passage that begins us today, and I don't want you to lose the significance, because I think we blow past this. God has one last instruction for the people as they prepare this Passover meal, and they paint their door frames. And I want you to pay really close attention. Exodus chapter 12 verse 11. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency for this is the Lord's Passover. Now in today's day and age, let me let me tell you what God was saying. Hey, you normally prepare and you eat dinner and you get ready for bed and you go to sleep as if tomorrow is going to be the same day in bondage. But if you're my people and you believe in what I'm going to do for you and you have hope that I'm going to deliver you and give you freedom, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to dress as if you're ready to go on a new journey. In fact, I want you to have urgency. I want you to anticipate that I'm going to do something in your life that's incredible. And I want you to take this walking stick because soon you're going to see my power and you will know that you have hope. And that hope is going to give you a new life. And so the Israelites that day, they wore their clothes, grabbed their walking sticks. The next day, Pharaoh gets up after all the firstborn in Egypt are killed. And Pharaoh says, go, get out, freeing God's people. Now, what a picture of Easter for us. What a tie-in to Easter for us but if we were to ask the question, Terry, when is Easter? Did Easter occur then? No, no, no. That's a glimpse of Easter. It looks like Easter, but that's not when Easter occurred. In fact, we see another event that ties into Easter a little bit later. Jesus Christ, and I love this. And if if you love the Bible, you got to love the Bible. The Bible's got so many cool things in it. But all the way back at the Christmas story, we celebrate Jesus Christ coming into the world. Do you know why he came into the world in the cover of darkness and night? It's because he is the light of the world. And for 400 years, there was silence from God and there was darkness. And Jesus Christ pierced the darkness to bring the light back into our lives. And so Jesus was born. Jesus lived on the earth. He did some amazing things. Everybody is fascinated with Jesus. Whether you believe that He's the Son of God or not, everybody's fascinated with what He teaches. There are business leaders who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they look at His teachings to learn about what it means to be a leader and to have wisdom. So Jesus walks the earth. He performs miracles. He teaches such wisdom. Back in biblical times that we still apply to our lives today because it's incredible. And all of us look back at Jesus and we see a lot of pictures. But I think the one most important and the most incredible thing that Jesus Christ did for us, we kind of glance over. Here's the truth. Today, I've probably sinned about 25 times. Okay, God, 45 times. He just told me 45. Do you want to know why? There are sins that I've committed I don't even know I've committed. Because sin is not just an action. Sin is a thought. Sin is... Is what you think about on the inside, even though you don't do it. I know it. Some of you, you walked in and you saw someone that you know and they were dressed nicer than you and you looked, oh gosh, she's so pretty. It's not fair. That's sin. I did it about 45 times today. And Jesus Christ did something incredible on this earth. You know this? That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He didn't have a thought or action that was against what his Father would call us to do. Do you know how hard that is? That's one of the most incredible things that Jesus did. And he did it for a reason. Because Jesus knew this. He knew that he had to live a sinless life for us. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. So we know the Easter story. Jesus Christ lives a sinless life. He's falsely accused. He's dragged from the Garden of Gethsemane to Caiaphas' house, the religious leaders, because they wanted fame and they wanted popularity and they wanted to protect their turf. They looked at Jesus and they paraded false witnesses in front of Him and they accused Him of things that He didn't do. And then they spit at Him. They slapped Him. They dragged him in the cover of night for fear that the people would uprise against him. In the cover of night, like cowards, they dragged Jesus Christ to Pilate's palace. There, Pilate didn't see any fault with Jesus. But he knew because of political pressure, he couldn't release him. So so Pilate condemns Jesus and has him flogged. If you've ever seen the passion of the Christ, you know that it's not just a flogging. It is a flogging. It is a tearing of flesh. It is one of the most brutalist forms of punishment you've ever seen. And it beat Jesus to an inch of his life. And Jesus never sinned once, even while taking that beating. I want you to think about that. I get mad when someone cuts in line at me at Starbucks. Jesus Christ, when he was beaten... He didn't think an evil thought toward his accusers. They give him a cross. They nail his wrists and his feet. And he allowed them to. If it was me, I'd have said enough. But Jesus said, no, it must be. And it brings us to the next moment that is one of the most powerful moments in the history of mankind and one of the most confusing for some. Jesus Christ is on the cross and all up until this point, he is communicating with his Father, praying to his Father. And in one moment, something changed for the first time in Jesus' life. And when I to draw you to it in Mark chapter 15, verse 33. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned Now, that causes a lot of Christians to say, yeah, why would God do that? Why would he abandon his son? I mean, that's why I have questions, Terry. That's why I have doubts, Terry, because why would a loving God? I mean, if he's willing to do that to his own son, he's got to do that to me at times. Well, you really don't understand what Jesus did. And in fact, let me illustrate it, a better point. We know at the beginning of time that God was perfect and that the Garden of Eden was perfect. And then what did Adam and Eve do? They sinned, right? Eve took the apple and she sinned. Adam said, and because of, because of woman, we have sin." No, I'm just teasing. That's a joke. It's a joke. Adam was right there and it was just as much as his fault. So ladies, don't get mad at me. I'm just kidding. And so sin comes in the world. And they were banished from perfection because perfect God cannot be with sin. And so we live in a sin-filled world because of that. And Jesus Christ is the first to come into the sinful world and live a sinless life. And when he got on that cross, let me show you what he did in that moment. The truth of the matter is, the way that I look at the cross today changed forever at my desk this week. Because I asked God, God, give me a picture. Show me something this Easter that I've never seen before. And he pointed to the cross. And he said this, Terry. He said, what does the cross represent? And I said, it's death. And he said, you're right. He said, but Terry, why does it represent death? And I said, because of sin. He said, you're right. And then here's what he did to me, and and I'm going to share the same with you. He said, Terry, there are times in your life that you look at what others have and you compare what you have to what others have, and you want more. You covet things you wish you had a personality, you wish you had resources, you wish things were different. And so in that, you're not content with who I am or what I've blessed you with. And so in that, you commit a sin, and that is the sin of being envy. And I have to imagine there's some of you in this room that committed this sin even today as you were driving your car, pulling into the parking lot, and coming in here. And God said, Terry, there are times that you're envious. And Let me show you a picture of the cross. When Jesus Christ was on the cross in that moment when God abandoned him, here's what Jesus did. Jesus looked at Terry and he said, Terry, I'm going to take your envy. Terry, I know that you were at Starbucks the other day and you were impatient and you were frustrated and you were angry. The simplest, dumbest little thing sets you off and you struggle with impatience. And so Terry, because of that, I'm going to go to the cross. And in that, I'm going to take your impatience because that's sin, Terry. And that sin leads to death. And Terry, there are times when you say, you know, God, it's not a big deal. I mean, I'm just impatient. I mean, there are worse sins. Well, Terry, that's called pride. And Terry, there are times in your marriage where you're prideful, where you don't want to say, I'm sorry. Or you do what a lot of us do. We add one more word to I'm sorry to make it better. We say, I'm sorry, but... And Terry, you do that all the time in your life. You make excuses. You justify your behavior all the time. And Terry, I have to take your pride and I have to take it upon myself because if I don't, you will die because that cross represents death. And Terry, I've blessed you so much. Why are you so selfish at times? Why do you only think about you? Why do you not look for the needs of others and just focus on you? Because Terry, I didn't create you as human beings to just shelter in and take care of your own. I created you to love one another as I have loved you. And so Terry, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to even take your selfishness. And Terry, just like you got frustrated, that frustration leads to anger at times. And there are some of us in this room that might struggle worse than others with anger. And we justify that anger with our pride to be able to say, well, she deserves it. Or he deserves it. Or he made a mistake and it's okay for me to be angry at him because he made a mistake. And Jesus points back and says, hey, you remember this? I already took that. But I'm also going to take this too. Because that pride can lead to anger. And that anger leads to justification. And in some cases, whether it's verbal, physical, sometimes it ups the ante and it become abusive. And Terry, I know, I know that abuse is strong and sin is sin. But you know what? I know this is an ugly sin. But I'm even willing to take the times that you're abusive. And I'm even willing to take that sin for you. Because if not, Terry, then you will die forever. And Terry, here's the truth. Men are fickle beings. And when we look, we love to look. And if we look too long, we begin to lust. And Terry, this sin, this is one that can ensnare and trap and so Terry, I'm even going to take this filthy sin and I'll place it upon me. And then Terry, they fell, I know. Type A's are stressed. He dropped his papers. It's okay. And Terry, here's the truth. There are some of us in this room that are not self-aware enough to recognize that all of these sins we all commit. And if you don't think you do, you don't know yourself really well. And the truth is, And many of us will say, nope, not us. And if you do that, you believe in lies. And Terry, all of that sin, even your lies, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take upon myself. And I want you to watch what happens and what God showed me. Jesus Christ went on that cross and in one moment of time, God, the Almighty Father, for the first time in the history of the world, separated himself from the Son. Why? Because in that moment, Jesus Christ took the sin of the past... The sin of the present and our sin in this room in the future. And he laid it all upon his body. Could you imagine the mental anguish of taking all of our filth and nastiness and in one moment in the history of mankind, thrusting it upon this cross, willing to die for us so that we would not have to pay the penalty. That's what the cross did. It took all that sin. What an incredible picture of Easter. But that's not when Easter occurred. Jesus breathed his last breath with my sin upon his body. And they placed him in a borrowed tomb. And I say it was borrowed because he only used it for three days. And I want to share the story of Sunday morning, the Easter we celebrate, and show you where Easter occurred in Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, Mary Magdalene, taking the spices that had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. And when the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. The tomb is no longer occupied. He's alive. If you've ever been to Israel, there is a borrowed tomb close to the hill of Golgotha and this is inside the tomb, the empty grain that still sits there today. And for every Christian in the world, we point to that empty tomb and we say, that's Easter. You know, the truth is Easter didn't occur at Passover long ago. Easter didn't occur on the cross. Easter didn't occur when Jesus died. Easter occurred when his lungs filled with air. And Easter occurred when Jesus Christ broke through the bondage of your sin, my sin, opened his eyes, threw off the grave clothes, and burst forth from the tomb. You know that cross... That cross isn't Jesus's cross. That cross is my cross. Jesus lived a sinless life. He didn't do any of those things. I grew up in the Catholic Church. And when I look at the cross, I used to see crucifixions, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And here's what I appreciated about my upbringing. When I saw that crucifixion, It made me pain inside for what Jesus went through. And so every time I looked at the cross, I felt pain and I had a deep respect for what Jesus did. In the evangelical church, our church, we don't have a crucifixion, we just have a plain cross. And the reason why we have a plain cross is because we don't like to remember Good Friday. We like to remember what Jesus did on Sunday, that He rose from the grave and that we are free. But here's the truth. When we look at the cross whether it has Jesus on it as a crucifixion or whether it's empty like that we should not see the cross that Jesus went on we should see my cross that Jesus Christ stepped in front of the line and put himself on the cross and said I'll take your place because that's your cross not mine but I'm willing to take it Here's the sad thing I think a lot of us live our lives with despair, loss of hope. And we've forgotten that Jesus died on the cross for us and the grave is empty. You know, here's the truth. In our lives today, if you're struggling with despair, if you're having a hard time looking and finding hope, I want you to remember this picture. Because when Jesus Christ had died and when he burst forth from the grave, his blood was a perfect lamb blood. And it covered the door of your heart. And so when death knocks, when despair knocks, when loss of hopes knocks, when he tells you you're not worthy, when he tells you you're not good enough, you don't have enough, you don't have what it takes, you look into the eyes of Satan because that's where it's coming from and you say hope. Oh, I have the hope of glory because he's alive and he's alive in me and I have all the hope that I need to do all things in Christ who gives me strength. But are you ready for that? And I close with this and don't ever forget it. It's the instructions for his Passover and it says this, these are your instructions For the Passover, be fully dressed. Wear your sandals. Carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat this meal with urgency, for this is my Passover. In other words, Christian, stop living a life of despair. Rise up. I'm alive in you. Get fully dressed. Grab your walking stick. Head into your neighborhoods, your workplaces, and you have joy of heart of knowing that I'm alive and you can do all things. That's Easter. Would you pray with me? God, right now, I, I, Father, forgive us. We are sin-filled beings. And God, we carry our sin around and we forget that you have a cross that you've already died for. And so God, right now in this room, God, forgive us for walking around without hope when your hope is right in front of us. So in this room, God, collectively, we say, God, search us. God, we ask you to take our sin upon that cross and cast it as far as the east is from the west. We're tired of living in bondage. And God, may we be a people because we say to you, you are our Lord and we are your people. God, thank you for forgiving us and thank you that we will have eternal life because you burst forth from the grave. And so in this room, in an attitude of prayer, I would just share this. If today you would say, Terry, I don't know if I've ever said to Jesus, I want you as my God. There's one thing to believe about God. There's one thing to believe about Jesus. There's another thing to believe He's yours. And today in this room, if you've never said, I want you as my God, I'm just going to pray a prayer and I just ask you in the privacy of your heart to just echo this in your heart if that's what you want. Dear Jesus, in this place, I've had questions, I've had doubts, but right now I look up to you and say, I want you as my Lord. I want you to take my sin, I want you to forgive my heart, and I want to be with you in eternity because that's the message of Easter. So God, thank you today that because I am driving a stake home and I believe that you are my God and you're faithful to be my God, I celebrate you this Easter. We bless you, Lord. We celebrate you today. And we give it all in the name of Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.